0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopheads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Today's episode is another spotlight on Redefining Darkness Records episode i love doing these i love showcasing extreme metal bands on the podcast i'm so happy i started doing this Today's episode is a special one because it is a band that I am a huge fan of. I have been lucky enough to watch this band grow from its creation, and I'm so stoked that the album is finally out. Of course, I am talking about Akurian. Akurian is a, a supergroup, basically, comprised of members of Cattle Decapitation, Cryptopsy, Noraxis. It is a Montreal super powerhouse, and I absolutely love the record. It is Incredible and I'm so stoked to be able to play a track for you right now. So get ready, turn it up to eleven. This is Leave Them Scars taken from Acurion's first album Come Forth to Me. <laughs> I fucking love Curian. This song is really special because it actually has some guests on it. It has of Gorguts on it. And of course, Lord Worm and Jean-Marie LeBlanc from Vengeful. It is just a monster of a track. And the album is unrelenting. And you should absolutely go check them out if you do not know who Curian is. I have put all of their links in the description of the podcast. Go buy their merch. Go pick it up. They are absolutely incredible. Also, you can go to Redefining Darkness's website, their e-store. And there is a promo code that you can use, which is V-O-X ampersand H. H O P S. You type that in and you will get 15% off of all CDs, vinyls, and cassettes. So go do that. Support extreme music. It is very important to support the things that we love right now. And extreme music is absolutely worth the love. On today's episode, I am with Rob Milley, the guitarist of Naraxis and Acurion. So here it is, Fox and Hops episode number 145. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up everyone? Today I'm with Rob Milley from Akurian, Neuraxis, and now of Necrotic Mutation. I am stoked to be with you. you. I always like seeing you. We're both from Montreal, the uh, one of my favorite places in the world one of the best music scenes in my opinion and uh you are now in three of the coolest bands from here so that's awesome uh let's just uh start with a simple question how are you how have you been coping with social isolation
1: well uh thank you thank you very much i'm good thanks um as good as can be considering uh but uh, like we just said uh been pretty uh chilled out for this last month and a half not much to do you know <laughs> i got forced off laid off from work so so yeah just uh spending a lot of time uh, inside and uh guitar lot, lots of time working on guitar so couldn't ask for anything better you know
0: that's what i like to hear from all my musician friends that they're using this time creatively to to challenge themselves to push Deeper and uh, conquer some things that they may have put on the back burner because they didn't have the time before. So I like hearing that too. you're keeping busy in that sense. Let's uh, start classic Vox and Hops question at this point. Uh, what is the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up? What music was playing in your house when you were not in control of it? What music did your parents or your guardians listen to?
1: Um, I'd say my, uh, my mom was the primary music listener. And from what I remember, she listened to a lot of Bee Gees, uh, Beatles, and I'd say Michael Jackson and all that, the Jackson stuff, you know. So I, I, I particularly remember Michael Jackson's Thriller album when I was a little kid. That was the, that was the album.
0: Uh, those are all solid songwriters right there, so... It something might have stemmed from that.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You you listen back to something when you heard it as a kid. You hadn't heard it in 20-something years. So you're like, oh, yeah, I love this stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what band was your first band, that first band, that was your first love that you became obsessed with? Uh,
1: I guess the first band would be ACDC. Like uh, when uh, that uh, the album Razor's Edge, I think, uh, the, the song Thunderstruck, I remember when that came out. Uh, Came out, you know, like the na-na-na-na. <laughs> that was it,
0: you know. It still rocks. It's a great song. Yeah, I love it to this day. It's really good. I see you're drinking a beer there, so so let's get right into it. Uh, Vox & Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What are you drinking on your side there, Rob?
1: It is a Dieu du Ciel Morality IPA.
0: Which is an absolute classic beer up here in Montreal from one of the pioneer craft beer breweries and they just started putting it in cans which i it makes me very excited because it's your best bang for your buck getting a big uh 473 milliliter and i think the clock's in is it seven percent i think it is seven percent
1: it is uh i think it's a 6.6 or no no uh where is it it 6.9 yeah almost seven <laughs>
0: There you go. See, so yeah, I remember a lot of things about beer. but <laughs> uh, It's a great brew, and uh, anyone that comes up on a beer trip here to Montreal should absolutely stop at Ciel and they have their Peche Martel, which is uh, one of their most famous beers. I am drinking, or I will be drinking with you, uh, Mandrill from City. Uh, Huge shout out to uh, Gael and the rest of the Mabaracity crew for hooking me up with some brews for my Vox and Hops interviews at home. I love going to Mabaracity. City. I've actually had my two past birthdays there, and uh, I just like going there. It's a bunch of it's a very kid friendly atmosphere. Uh, it's it's great for me with the kids and uh, craft beer and fun. It, it's it's I, I love it. Is that uh, is, let's, is that the
1: one up near Rosemount area?
0: It is off of, on Holt, right off of. Um, Delorme. Delorme and Holt. So, uh, yeah,
1: the one near Brouhaha, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah,
0: cool. Perfect beer crawl right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pub crawl, sorry. Uh, are you a craft beer enthusiast? Tell me about that as I pour this out.
1: Yes, I def I definitely am. I might not be to your level, <laughs> but uh, I definitely am uh, an enthusiast. Uh, I enjoy a good, uh, good uh, IPA, microbrewery IPA. Good stout, good sours, you
0: know. Cheers, Rob. Cheers. Take me back uh, to that first beer. Do you remember your first beer?
1: Probably like uh, Molson Export, something like that. Molson Export or Molson Dry. Vaguely remember those beers. Well, I'll I'll always remember them. They were terrible, you know.
0: (laughs) 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 I had a bunch of exports back in my youth. It's been a long time I haven't had a mandrel. I really like it. It's a... uh, saison style beer brewed with Brett, Saison Brett tropical, absolutely delicious, uh slightly tart, um, hoppy. It pours out like a nice hay color. I love my mandrel. It's uh since it came out 2 years ago, I was immediately drawn in by the big mandrel monkey that they have on the can. Love it.
1: Nice. I've yet to try that. I'll have to check that out.
0: Absolutely. Uh let's talk a bit more about craft beer. Uh how do you go out and find craft beers? Is it something that you go to pubs? Are you you on the search for them? Montreal's such a hotbed right now for craft beer. I find myself just inundated with, with a wish list that I want to find. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I mean, a uh, mix of both. Um, definitely uh, started with going to uh, microbreweries, I guess you could say, like uh, St. Buck, famous, Cheval Blanc, Dieu Ciel, a couple others, and... Uh, I also tried to, you know, discover new uh, breweries throughout Quebec, you know, uh, take little trips here and there throughout the years to, you know, places uh, that I'd been hearing about. Uh, there's some kind of like uh, expedition you can go on in Lac-Saint-Jean, I think. I didn't do that, but I was always wanting to do that, where you can go up and visit all the the, uh, the breweries. are. But uh, And then I have, you know, the beer stores that are in Montreal that I my go-to is like La Palouseau, and I have uh, Birolog, which is near my place. So it's pretty convenient.
0: Absolutely. That's a, a bunch of great places that I go to all the time. Shout out to Paloozo, Probably the coolest craft beer store up here in Montreal. Probably one of the oldest ones though, that, that would just had so many, such a vast selection. I, I love going in there, and I always end up spending way too much <laughs> <Yeah. money. laughs> Let's touch back on the Montreal scene. I always like to ask this question to Montreal's musicians. I know it's annoying. I get asked it. I don't. I have like my answer for it. Why do you think Montreal has so many metal bands that have come from here?
1: I would say, uh, well, Montreal is definitely a, a very cultural arts influenced city. I think it's been like that since 60s, 70s at least. So I think there's always been that openness uh, for music. Uh, and then, you know, that trickles down to every style of music. I mean, I'm sure Montreal has a ton of styles, you know, that are flourishing that I have no idea about. But I'm sure it's crazy. But but uh metal, I'd say what? I'm trying to think back, but I'm pretty sure, you know, something like Iron Maiden must have, like, hugely influenced. Because I know they're huge here, Iron Maiden, you know, and then. Started the uh, you know the thirst for metal, I guess. But yeah, I think, and then the fact that uh, you know we have those long winters, you know, that probably helped keep people inside practicing, doing something. You know, uh, Steve's music store maybe had a bit of an influence on influencing people to, to pick up instruments, maybe, and all the clubs that we've had. You know, so
0: absolutely, I agree. I agree with that. I, I never thought about Steve's as an option. That's You're right about that. Uh, Steve's is a classic music store here in Montreal. It's been open for years and years and years. Sadly, well, it's good that they moved and they relocated right onto St. Catherine Street. But the old Steve's had such a vibe that I miss. It was this in this dilapidated series of buildings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which somehow interconnected and it made no sense, but it, was, it, it had such a feel to it. And you're probably right that a lot of musicians found each other there. I hadn't thought about it that way. I always thought back to those medley shows and to C T Jamil as an answer, but Steve's uh, needs to be added to that. And I agree.
1: That's true. CD City Two Thousand. Yeah, that's another one. Uh, and I don't even work for Steve's. I just came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: take, take me back to your first show that you saw here in Montreal, the first extreme show.
1: Extreme, extreme, or like metal in general.
0: Metal in general.
1: First show ever was. 93 was Anthrax, White Zombie, and Voivod at the Verdun Auditorium.
0: Badass lineup right there.
1: So you could say, because Voivod was the opening band, that was the first metal band I'd ever seen uh, ever, you know, and then obviously uh, White Zombie and Anthrax. I was there for Anthrax, but, but uh, yeah, that was the first show. And uh, I, I realized then, not really knowing much about Voivod, but, like, that there was a local scene here because... They were speaking french i was like these guys are from here <laughs> so it was cool
0: absolutely and i always voivod's a big part of that why the scene has become something so many people were influenced by the success of voivod that they must have been influenced
1: yeah um i'd say uh in this is just my preference i'm actually a fan of later day voivod than early voivod i know that might be like blasphemous to say but <laughs>
0: I agree. (laughs) Dan Morgan is a sick guitarist. Absolutely. I'd love to have him on the podcast.
1: Yes, yes, he is sick. (laughs) He's amazing. One (laughs) of the best.
0: (laughs) Take me to your first time on stage and what was that story and how did it go down?
1: Uh, My first band that we played a show was a band uh, called Cursed. (laughs) <laughs> type of a Slayer-ish creator type of band. And we played a couple shows at clubs that no longer exist. But you remember the Backstreet or the Cat House? It was two names at one point. And the Jailhouse Rock venue. So, yeah, we played those shows.
0: there. How were those shows? What was it like being on stage? Are you someone that immediately loved being on stage? Or were there some nerves that you had to battle
1: through? Definitely nerves. <laughs> uh, first show we did was the Jailhouse. And then we opened for a Metallica cover band. Probably like a total of 10 people that came to the show. Yeah. <laughs> it was still cool. though. You know? our, our friends came out, you know, um, and the second show, maybe even less people that came. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, nervous at first, but uh, definitely felt something inside me it was like, yeah, I could get used to this. I like this.
0: And then eventually Naraxis happened and you became a part of that. I'm not familiar enough with the history of Noraxis to know if you were there at the beginning of it or if you joined afterwards.
1: Um, I joined uh, in 96. So the band started sometime in 94. Uh, and I think they started playing live shows in 95. They had a, you know, probably a string of shows in 95. And I was uh, friends with their singer because I went to high school with him. Their first singer, Maynard Moore, on the first album. So uh, he uh, he was always keeping me in the loop with what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I was definitely thought it was cool. And uh, then at some point they were about to record the the first album, Imagery, and um, the guitar player at the time, um, the other guitar player, not Steven, but uh, the other guitar player, um, they were starting to have a bit of trouble. As he You know, he's maybe not up to par on playing. So he started to kind of like, you know, tell me, hey, would you be interested? And then slowly but surely, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, I'd try, I'd definitely try it. And uh, so I tried out for them and uh, played my first show in '96 with them, um, opening for Dying Fetus. So that was quite a show.
0: You got no pressure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dying Fetus and November Grief from here. Cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you remember your first impression of Noraxis?
1: Yeah. Um, Definitely um, impressed me. Uh, Musicianship-wise, was very impressive. And it kind of uh, apart from them, I had heard of Cryptopsy before. Obviously, uh, Cryptopsy was probably the first local band from Montreal that I had found out about. And then uh, maybe maybe at Ticks. And then I you know I heard about Naraxis. So um, it definitely sparked my interest of. Finding out what was going on around here, but there was this. This is pre-internet, so you could only really find out about it through flyers or. Uh, remember Rock and Stock? There was a store, a CD store. It was a,
0: yes, of course. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: So yeah, going down to Rock and Stock every weekend or type of thing, you'd find out about local bands. Oh, sorry, actually, there was Gore Guts too that I remember about uh, learning about. So yeah. So yeah, definitely impressed uh, with Neurosis. So that's why I joined.
0: And you drove Naraxis for, for many, many, many years. I want to say up until basically when Ollie joined Cryptopsy 2009 or 2011, somewhere in that point, right?
1: Yeah, basically, um, I guess uh, the end of 2011 is when, you know, things were put on hold. So, yeah, I'm not sure when Ollie joined uh, Cryptopsy, but yeah, about the end of 2011.
0: And there was a point where you eventually were in the band and you took more and more control of Neraxis.
1: Yeah, at a certain point, because, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Henry, is the Stephen Henry and Yan, T. L are the, uh, the, I guess you could say, the founding members of the band. And um, Stephen was always the driving force of the band. And at a certain point, once I joined, you know, we had a good chemistry, Stephen and I. And we started writing RIS together and uh, at a certain point, you know, I won't go into the whole details, but like uh, business-wise, you know, um, I guess I was getting a little bit older because I joined when I was 17. So I wow. was pretty yeah. young, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a couple of years later, you know, I'm in my early 20s and starting to uh, work in business management and uh, sales and stuff. So I gathered some, you know, experience in working in management. So. Slowly but surely, I kind of shifted into taking care of things for the band uh, at a certain point, so yeah.
0: Which is never an easy transition to happen in a band for the the vibe of the band. It's always a bit difficult.
1: To take over or to take uh, charge?
0: For for yourself, it's something that you had to do, you thought was the right thing, but for the others to accept is always not the easiest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty much everybody was... was uh, it was a smooth transition, you know? It wasn't anything like... Uh, you know, there was no negative vibes. It was just a natural thing that happened. And uh, and then from there on, yeah, because like apart from, you know, I obviously wrote the music too with Steven and then eventually writing most of the music myself. But yeah, I, it's something I wanted to do. I was enjoying it. So it was uh, until a certain point.
0: <laughs> Which is where I'm heading next is, is I feel like Naraxis at the end. It's such a star-studded lineup. I can't believe that it's over. You know, Tiger on drums, who's now in cataclysm. You got Ollie, who's now in, moved on to Cryptopsy, and then obviously Cattle Decapitation. You have yourself, who's a fantastic guitarist, and Alex is just a, such a ferocious front man. And then he, he made his way into the world of wrestling. He was doing that at that time, too, as well. He's got his own uh, YouTube channel where Alex Reacts, I believe it's called, which is doing very well, too. So it's just such a star-studded lineup, too. What, what led to the end of Noraxis? I don't think I've ever heard this
1: story. Well, uh, you could say that, uh, it's probably just a mix of, uh, you know, uh, having done a lot of touring, um, putting out a bunch of albums, you know, uh, at a certain point, um, you know, um, it's not always easy to keep that, uh, that train running, you know, uh, going, uh, full, full throttle and, uh, you know, just. So usual things that happen, you know, uh, label trouble, you know, um, booking agent trouble, finance, finances, you know, and then, you know, the, the classic, uh, you know, inner band uh, turmoil, you know, so at a certain point, you know, you, you got to weigh your pros and cons. So.
0: And for a moment, it was just on hold. It wasn't like we're done. I don't feel like you guys have ever made that statement that you are done. So I, I would like to see a reunion show at least, or at least a, a last show here in Montreal.
1: Well, I guess you could say that was kind of the thing that I, I, I decided was I wasn't going to declare it finished because you never know. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, yeah, you never know. So.
0: I, I think it'd be super cool, even, even if I get all the alumni to come out and to to do like a a pure everyone that was involved with narax's show oh yeah i mean in the lobby of that building where the medley used to be but
1: (laughs) uh, oh yeah yeah
0: i'm just joking yeah
1: it's a isn't it a condo building or something Uh, exactly uh,
0: but uh you and ollie obviously were in the same camp because right when Noraxis was falling apart sorry for the term uh, that's when Acurion started, or the idea of Acurion came to be. So talk me through that. I know that Acurion Akur- just came out on Refining Darkness Records. It is a fantastic album. Being in a band with Ollie, I've heard it for, I want to say, two years now. <laughs> 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 At least forms of it, right? Yeah. And I've loved everything that I've heard. I love the album. Uh, why did it take so long for it to come out, <laughs> or like for it to come to fruition from 2011 to a nine-year yeah. Project. It must have been frustrating for you. That's like three questions I asked you. So let's start with how you and Ali came to this idea of starting a, a new project together.
1: Uh, well, you're right. Uh, patience has definitely been the key. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So uh, at the, I guess you could say at the tail end of Naraxis, uh after getting back from tour, touring, uh, you know, a, a, hard, a hardcore uh, period of time where we were on tour for almost like four months... Uh, a bit of break was needed for everybody. But at the same time, uh, what I usually do is uh, just, you know, uh, just to get ideas out. I guess you could call it a form of communication or therapy. Is just, I'll write music, I'll write, you know, a guitarist. And uh, so I started writing some new stuff. It very well could have been something new for Neuraxis, but at a certain point, um, the idea came to me that uh, I wanted to... uh, Reach out to Mike Desalvo, uh, somebody that I met through Cryptopsy when he first came up here, and uh, we had kind of been in touch, and we'd uh, we chilled uh, over the years. Even though he was always kind of low key at that point, we uh, we'd bump into each other and then hang out. And uh, so, at a po- certain point, I reached out to him, and he was interested. So, me and him basically got together. I showed him my uh, my uh, my riff ideas. I had some structures, some songs, and. Uh, we did it like the old school way maybe i think he might have even recorded on a, a ghetto blaster just my idea is like no pro tools or anything like that so
0: uh that's fucking awesome
1: yeah and of course we did it over enjoying some beers and uh so that th- some
0: dark some dark beers if you're with mike
1: <laughs> yes yes uh he is a uh stout fan <laughs> although he does he does do the ipa though so. But yeah, so, I mean, I think we just did it uh, not out of a... um, The start of it was not out of a um, goal to make it a a well-known thing or, you know, like, we need to get this out. It was just for the pure uh, pleasure of uh, creating music. So that's why I didn't want to force it in any way. So we just kind of let it uh, play out over a couple months and uh, we started getting ideas together. And at a certain point... uh, uh, the thought of getting other musicians involved came up, and um, because me, uh, Ollie and I, like we got along super well when we were together in Naraxis, um, an amazing bass player, super good friend. So he was the first uh, person I thought of to join us uh, on bass, and uh, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he had started to play with Cryptopsy too. So. Uh, he started, I guess, I guess you guys started getting busy doing uh, that album, uh, was it a self-titled album, I think?
0: That is correct, yeah.
1: I think we bumped into each other at a show and then he was down for it. So uh, we started to get together and then we needed a drummer. So, of course, uh, at that point, Ollie from uh, Naraxis, Ollie Tiger Ollie, Ollie Bodowin, he was in Cataclysm now. So, um, you know, he was off doing his thing. So basically, Tommy... McKinnon, uh, the idea that came came up for him, and I'd already played with him in Araxis, so he was down for that, and we had a good chemistry together writing uh, music. So we got together, all four of us, and started hashing out these songs. And you know, there was already a uh, you know four or five songs together already that I had, and then we we finished off writing, but we took our time, basically, uh, you know, maybe once a week, maybe once or twice a month. So that's why it took a while for us to uh, put it together. We didn't do it in like a forced manner. It was just like get together and hash out ideas uh, and uh, slowly but surely we came up with a bunch of songs and then we had the idea that if we record this we want to do it all together as a a group in the same room and play together uh, to get our kind of like energies together instead of like doing it all separate so we had to practice these songs for a couple years to make sure we could do it
0: (laughs) which is really cool nobody does this shit anymore Nobody does this live off the floor stuff. I've never done a record like that, ever. (laughs) I've done the old school record to a tape thing, but never live off the floor. And I can agree that you got to get your shit together if you want to do that. Yeah,
1: I mean, that was the goal. So uh, we also didn't have a label. We didn't have any type of live plans to play a show. Uh, So there was nothing really uh, forcing us to... uh, to put a deadline on it or a timeline on it so that's why it took took a while and over time you know ideas we got new ideas just to improve these songs i think that helped and uh then we did decide to record something to kind of introduce us to uh, to everyone to the world you know like uh, we said hey we're here uh, so we recorded a song at uh, the grid with chris donaldson and we did try that we did the uh, the, the live uh, in a room thing together it worked out super well so that was cool, and then we continued working on the songs, and then the, uh, the plan was to record an album. And so we, we got down to the recording of the album. It went well. We did it over a weekend. We did two days basically doing the whole set from A to B, a, you know, to Z, uh, all in one take. Uh, and then we did the second day the same thing and to see you know, which versions were the best versions and uh, so that was done and then uh, after that we started doing the overdubs you know of course have to do overdubs but we kept the live tracks the drums the vocals the bass and and the initial rhythm guitar and then you added on to that after but and then you know some things happened during that period of time you know uh, my dad was sick already and then unfortunately he passed away so that obviously delayed things and then Mike's wife got sick and and then sadly it passed away as well, so that can you know attributes to the, the the delay of things. And then once that all you know kind of once we were kind of able to uh, get past that, not that we ever got past that, but you know we continued working on the album, and then we looked for a deal with a label, and then we we signed a deal, and then now it's getting released.
0: It is released, and it's an amazing album. So you had to go through hell and back to get this out, which is a is very commendable. Uh, were there times when you're looking around at the other members, like Ollie's out on the road, did you find yourself feeling jealous that you were not out there with him? Sometimes I feel like that when I'm at home now, when I see Flo out with Ultimas and uh, Ollie's out with Cattle. It's actually why I started Vox and Hops. It's because I saw this coming and I knew I know myself and I would be a little bit jealous of them even though i'm proud of them and i love what they're doing i wanted to keep my my finger on the pulse of the music scene when they're gone so i knew chris had his studio and that's sort of why i started Fox and hops a, a part of me for sure did you ever feel jealous when your guys are out there
1: i wouldn't say jealous but um you know there's a little bit of uh, oh man that's cool you know like i'd love to be kind of like doing that again you know the the travel well i love i love the touring aspect you know there's certain things that are a little harder you know to deal with on tour but to see him to see ollie and to see you guys when you guys were out on tour i was happy definitely was kind of missing doing that but um definitely happy for for ollie and everything he's uh you know accomplished uh So I I really, when he was away, you know, we would just continue working on the songs, uh, you know, the three of us, you know, or when whoever was available. And like I said, there was no um, pressure. There was no like, we have to get this out, even though there were certain points where certain people were like, oh, we got to get this out. We just kind of always had to step back and go, we'll get it out when it's done, you know, so.
0: And you've you've crafted a beautiful record, thanks to that. With some very cool guests on it. That whole track with, with I think it's Lord Worm, Lemay, and Jean Marie all on one track. It's 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 I think it's the opener, am, am I right?
1: Yep. Definitely. Yep. It's
0: it's totally awesome. So so talk me through getting having that idea of getting Wormy and Luke and everyone to be on one track together.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a... Uh... You know, I mean, I guess the only other thing missing would have been to have you on there to have the ultimate cryptopsy experience. (laughs) Um, But uh, definitely uh, having um, Wormy on there, um, because he's such a mythical kind of figure, you know, Um, and he's not a very uh, sociable, I guess he could be sociable, but... I uh, very very surprised that he agreed to it, but him and Mike are you know they've been close friends for forever, so I assume that helped uh, make make him you know come on board. Uh, but that was definitely interesting to hear Wormy now. You know, it's I find his vocals have shifted over the years. Now he's definitely more of a higher pitched kind of vocalist now versus you know none so vile. You know, it's it, it's Wormy. It still sounds like Wormy, but but. Uh, and then Luke LeMay has always been uh, an uh, an idol to me, to everybody in the band, and uh, it's just like an honor to have Luke on there. And he was super, he was super down to do it. And we also uh, had him; comp- he did it himself. Actually, we asked him to uh, to to orchestrate some um, some parts for the album on violin and uh, orchest- orchestration. And he went above and beyond that, and he did a full like four or five minute intro to a song. Uh, and he just kept on adding, adding to it. So we were like, my God, okay, this is amazing. Uh, so that was an honor. And Jean-Marie, of course, is vengeful. And I also have a, I'm playing in a project with Jean-Marie called Hourglass. So, uh, there's that connection there. Uh, we had a couple other people too come on. We had the singer for Coma Cluster Void. There's a couple singers in Coma Cluster Void. There's Mike and there's another guy named Austin, he did uh, some guest vocals and also Sylvia from Coma Cluster Void did some guest um, operatic style vocals on there. And Jean Strider uh, did some piano and she also was the one that, that mixed mastered our album. So a lot of collaborations are
0: it, take, it takes a city <laughs> 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 to, to, get a, to get an Akirian record out. Yeah. But it was worth the wait, and uh, if anyone hasn't heard the new Akirian record, Come Forth to Me, you should absolutely go check it out right when you're finished listening to this. Um, Rob, what is your hangover cure?
1: Uh, red, f- red Fruit Punch Gatorade is the first step. That's the first step, yeah. And, uh, uh, why, I don't know. I was just told that I knew Gatorade was, you know, the, the, um, the electrolytes in there help, you know, get your, I guess, system back with some energy. But, uh, the red one was for, I was told that is the cure. So I tried it and it, it pretty much works.
0: Good to know. Good to know. I've heard the Gatorade, but the the color was never specified to me. So I'm going to add that to my book.
1: And I'm definitely, I'm definitely not one to promote uh, this type of food or this company, but McDonald's, for some reason, you need to get something, uh, a Big Mac trio, and it, it, it works wonders.
0: <laughs> I want to touch on you joining a Necrotic Mutation. Is it a fill-in or is it a pure join?
1: I am now a part of the band, yeah.
0: Beautiful. Necrotic Mutation, for people that don't know, uh, you got to go back and listen to, I believe it's episode 13 where I had Sebastien Carateau who is probably one of the best extreme metal vocalists in the world from here in Montreal, originally from Rimouski, and Necrotic Mutation is from there. They're a classic Montreal extreme metal band, death metal band from the early 90s, and they reformed recently, and now you're a part of that. So talk me through that.
1: Yeah, um, so basically they uh did reform i guess a couple years ago and i think they started to uh, they played like the heavy mtl one year and then they did a, a show with you guys in barf there on that show it was a great show
0: that was super cool that.
1: very great show yeah i was and uh i'd i'd been uh you know uh a fan of those guys since uh when i first discovered them back in say the mid to late 90s um just like like you know, like all bands you know local scenes so you you know uh, what's going on and um then at some point when um they uh, reformed uh, their guitar player which was Eric Jarin who plays in Despised Icon I believe uh the fact that uh Despised Icon reformed and they were writing albums and going on tour again he just couldn't put the time in anymore so they got Yan... Tiel, formerly Neuraxis. Who
0: was... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. We're so incestuous <laughs> up here.
1: <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. It's crazy. So they, they got Yan in, who was a Neuraxis member and also an Obsolete Mankind member. And so he took Eric's place. So they, they did a couple of shows and then their other guitar player, Sylvain, I think he was just about to have kids, so he was like, Matt, can't do it anymore. So right away Yan you know asked me would you be down i was like definitely definitely so um that's it there he, he his recommendation for the for that for to the others was all that was needed they're like if Jan says he's, he's good then i was like and i was in so even before even meeting them
0: <laughs> that's awesome that means that we share a jam room
1: yes that's right <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and and you know like i only got to do like Three, four jams in that 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 room, and t- uh, uh, since uh, the pandemic, and then it got shut down. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. And the, hopefully, they'll, they'll figure that out and let us start doing that shortly. Uh, you mentioned before that you guys meant Curian uh, would never have been planning to play live, but when you said that, you said we had. So does that mean that there's a possibility and a thought? Well, I, I sat down with Mike back uh, a while back for a Vox and Ops interview. It was a really fun interview and then we basically closed the bar <laughs> and stayed and drank a little bit too much. <laughs> I heard I I
1: heard and that's you know, you're having an interview with Mike, come on. <laughs> <It's>, it
0: <laughs> <laughs> the interview was nice. It was fine. It was finished by like I think we were finished the interview by at least eight PM. I probably left at one in the morning. It, we we closed the bar. It was fun. Shout out to Saint Buck for feeding us all the the good darkness. But uh <laughs> He had mentioned that if the offer was right, you guys might be interested in doing some shows. Now with COVID, everything is obviously finished. But were there some offers? Were there some shows that did get canceled that didn't get announced?
1: No, there was no shows uh, on the books. But uh, I guess, yeah, it's like like what you said, uh, Mike said. It's like if there was uh, an offer that seemed, you know, worth, worth it uh, in the sense that like, It wasn't a project that was meant to necessarily be live. So maybe some of these songs might not work as uh, well live, you know. Um, But uh, if there's, you know, enough interest, if there's an interesting offer, you know, like if hypothetically, uh, I don't know, some festival said, hey, we want you guys uh, to come uh, play. Uh, We'll fly you out well okay if it's all expenses included you know and it's a it's a reputable festival you know it would be definitely considered we'd have to get together and practice again we haven't practiced since the recording of the album so you know these songs are long songs too some of them go to nine minutes
0: (laughs) i love it (laughs) rob thank you so much for sitting down with me sharing a craft beer and talking about your life your music I love it. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you face-to-face for real and share craft beer again. To the end of COVID-19, cheers.
1: Cheers, man. Thank you for having me. I do hope to see you soon. Uh, I don't know when we'll we'll be able to do shows again, but uh, let's hope for the fall.
0: I'm hoping to. Yeah. I'm hoping to, brother. Thank you so much. Cheers.
1: Thanks, bro. Cheers.
0: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a great chat with Rob. Uh, He is such a talented musician. I love Akurian, as I was mentioning, super group from here in Montreal. I can't wait to to sit down with you for real again, Rob. It's been too long. Once the world goes back to normal, I can't wait to hang out with you and drink some more craft beer so, so that we can continue this chat. Today is Wednesday, which means tomorrow is another Vox & Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I love these hangs. I look forward to them. The link for that is available in the description of this podcast. Tell your metal-loving, craft beer-loving friends to come and join us for an epic hang alongside some of the Vox & Hops alumni, other Vox & Hops heads, some of my closest friends, and myself. Come hang out, drink some craft beer, and we'll talk about life metal and of course craft beer i have one more episode coming at you this week it's going to drop on friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and (laughs) hopsets